0: If you can't do anything else but walk, go for a 30-minute walk a day and see how you feel. Have some self-reflection on what is inside your scope of control and what is outside of it. Okay, you slept in today. You decided to go to McDonald's. You decided to allow people who have no say on your life whatsoever to affect your overall feelings. All of that stuff is within your control.
1: is the strategy of fitness podcast our goal is to energize and entertain fitness enthusiasts by sharing insights from experts in the health and wellness community from physical therapy perspectives to interviews with professional athletes special operators nutritionists and coaches we want to help you be your best self welcome to the strategy of fitness
2: In the strategy of fitness. It has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Check out the link in our Instagram bio, get $30 off your first month subscription, get the brand new 4.0 and start this year off right. Track your sleep, track your recovery, track your daily strain. There's no better tech to wear every single day and hold you accountable. Of course, this podcast is your weekly accountability buddy, but there's nothing better on the market than whoop. Check it out. Welcome back to the strategy of fitness podcast. My name's Nick Cressy joined weekly by Dan Gordon and Rob Rowland. What up boys?
3: Oh man. Just enjoying my night. What's up, Robbie?
2: Hanging in there, bro. Dude, Rob was quiet as shit. He's watching fucking watching his boys play right now. Right. What sport? So soccer. Oh, okay. Poor thing. <laughs> we got
1: world cup that comes in November, December, which is soon. I love the world cup. I know you guys aren't the biggest soccer fans. It's like, nah, it's fun. It's world fun. cup's great. World cup's great. It's coming in a weird time because it's in Qatar. Uh,
2: but yeah. It's good. It'll be good. Twenty-first, right? US plays whales. Believe so. Yep. Fucking go. Hey, we're going whale hunting, boys. Ever since we didn't need their blubber anymore for candles, it seems like uh (laughs) we're good.
1: Yeah, all set on candles.
2: Let's run through some workouts quickly because we went along with our boy Preston, Um, and then we'll have some fun on the back end. I'll kick it off this week actually because I just want to give you guys a little bit of feedback. I did some training, dropped in at CrossFit Cuspis out in Denver when I was out there. Place was very awesome, very accommodating. Cuspis, C U S. P I S. Myself, the Kings, and Mallory all went. I will share one quick workout. This was a 30-minute time cap. I'm not going to talk about all the movements, although they were fun. I thought the idea that these guys did was really cool was they had 90-second floaters. So you had to accumulate, you know, it was 75, 75, 50, 50, 50 25, 25 various movements. In that time, you had to strategically do a 90 second sprint on the echo bike, 90 second sprint on the rower and 90 second sprint on the skier. And you could break it up as you wanted to. But once you started a movement, you had to finish that movement before going on to the next movement. So it kind of reminded me of the floater that we did in the competition, Dan. Really getting it on those, those machines at altitude was a bitch, but honestly we all left and we're like wow the resistance felt The the machines are either brand new or you can literally feel the difference in the air i don't know what the difference is but i was on the echo bike and i was maintaining like 85 almost 90 rpms we were just talking about how ridiculous that is and i was cruising for 90 seconds so i'm wondering if they just had the latest and greatest all that to say fantastic experience and start mixing in those floaters really fun
1: i got to incline uh, barbell bench uh from the uh, thunderbird programming so you start with 10 light reps so these two minute rest then you do a feeder set of five a feeder set of five set number four you go 10 reps two seconds up two seconds down set five eight reps two seconds up two seconds down Working up to a pretty decently heavy weight and then rep six it's called the blood starvation set so you get 10 reps at 40 percent of your fifth set and then you rest 15 seconds with your hands above your head, holding the bar on the rack, and you repeat that for seven rounds. So super weird feeling. It really interesting pump on that last one, so if anybody wants to try those, Exactly. It's, it's really interesting. Um, also, we, you shared an echo workout with me, and the times that were on there, those couldn't have been your times, were they? Because there's no way I'd no be on an echo bike workout. but I could have. No, nah, I don't think so. Because I, I I felt pretty good, but not not good enough to beat you by, like, you know, that much.
2: Usually, I, I put them on accurately. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Well, I did something I did. I was, I was the only time in, like, seven years since we've been talking to each other about fitness that I've ever beat you in anything. So, I was guessing I was guessing
3: it was a fallacy of some level. You,
2: um, you didn't run before. Robbie, what have you been up to? Just
3: squatting? Are you happy that October's over? Uh, kind of happy. Kind of miss it. It was kind of fun to have something to get up and train for every day. So, it's nice not to have to squat at 4.30, but um, did my test day, took three cracks at it, maxed out a 4.60. I feel like I left a little in the tank. I only had three attempts as far as like time went, so it kind of makes me hungry just to keep squat and see what else is in the tank. Like, 4.50 looked pretty good, felt pretty easy. 4.60 was like a little bit of a struggle, but I can't remember the last time I put that much weight on my back. Like, I think I've box squat or maybe ugly squatted 4.75, but I'm counting that as a PR for like uh, – a good looking like deep squat like i was pretty happy with the results after how much i was feeling beat down by that that last week of squatting your
1: legs have never looked better oh thank you my my wife my first session was like rob's legs are huge i'm like yeah they're they're really really looking spectacular these days
3: wow i appreciate it yeah it's a good feeling
2: well it's great i'm happy i can't wait to see what happens next you should just keep going till you hit 500 you sound so sincere thank you no, I mean, just keep going. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to stop now. I mean, force... I'm hours. happy.
3: That's great. Just keep going.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No there's one one cares, care. there's work never... There's never... Fin- I'm pretty sure some guy the, wears a shirt that says, no one cares, work harder. There's, some there's, shit like that.
1: There's no finish line with Nick as a friend. There's there's, there's no finish line. It's... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's on to the next.
2: Yeah. One day we won't get any more PRs, boys. Keep let's yeah. keep fucking grinding. Then uh, <laughs> tee up our guest, um, Preston Breeze. Fantastic. We we had him on. It's Veterans Day week, so
1: yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was. Um, has his own CrossFit box. And Miramar reached out to me. You know, this is a deep conversation. You know, we really talked about um, some really important things. That I think to all of us that have affected us all at some level or another in terms of mental health, and especially as it relates to military. And then also, you know, the better side of it is like how this fitness that we do every week the fitness that we talk about every week kind of helps us through some of these struggles and now it's not a cure-all i think you still need to do finding somebody to talk to and go through all the means but i think that preston brought up a lot of really good points he gave us a really cool background on where he comes from some of the things he's dealt with and i think you guys will relate to it and definitely get some uh
2: good deep meaning from from what he says welcome to the strategy of fitness podcast preston breeze you are a CrossFit gym owner and active duty military. Now, I think we were just talking, you are National Guard now, correct? Correct, yeah. Awesome.
0: What would you do in the gym today? Well, today was a uh, quote-unquote active recovery day. So, for me, that looks something like three-and-a-half-mile run into – about a 40, 45-minute easy bike ride. So not it, that active.
2: Yeah, I mean. I'm kidding. It's it, pretty yeah. active for a recovery day, busting your balls. So we can go all over the place with this conversation. I'm very interested in anyone that opens up across the gym, for one. But before we do that, and obviously we're talking to you a couple of days before Veterans Day, let's talk about your time in the Army. How's that been? How long's it been? And what made you do it? great question. Some people are just
0: like hey, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. Other people felt like they had a calling after 9/11. I was a little bit too young. I was in, you know, middle school when that happened, so you know, I didn't really have the ability to even enlist for another 10 years. For me, I enlisted a little late. I was around 22, lived in Miami, so I was like heavily involved in like the club scene and you know, chasing girls just like any young 20-year-old or male with a pulse. My childhood friend growing up disappeared for a while. I never really knew what happened to him. And we linked up maybe like six to eight years later. And it was because he enlisted straight out of high school and went into the Army Rangers. I am the oldest sibling out of three. And so I have two younger brothers and I never really had an older sibling to look up to. So I was at a very impressionable age once we linked back up at at 18, 19 and we've been inseparable since. So he was the main drive for me to go into the army to enlist in general was something that I always felt would be a cool thing to do, you know, get free school, travel and do some cool things that other people may have never had the opportunity to do. Boy, how much that was an understatement because in (laughs) my mind, I was like, you know, you really have an idea of where you want things to go but sometimes life takes you in a certain direction And it works out even better, even if it doesn't, it's for a purpose for in order for you to, in my personal opinion, to grow into the person who you're meant to be or supposed to be in order to handle, you know, what your greatest ambitions may be, whether that's in the gym, whether that's in business, financial relationship, you know, you have to go through hardship in order to evolve and adapt into that person. Uh, that can handle that and not screw it up once it comes. So to dive right into the question, I joined the military when I was about 22 in 2013. So I'm coming up on my 10 year anniversary in April of next year. Ironically, it was only supposed to be a one contract done, got the t-shirt, took the ride and that was it. So fast forward, you know, nine years later, I was very fortunate enough to be a little bit older in my basic training so i was afforded opportunities to try out for special forces to be a green beret no idea what it was what they did all i knew was like any typical civilians like navy seals that was it so you know i wanted to be an army ranger that's what my buddy was he talked it up as he should along with anything in the military but uh I was like, "That's all I knew," because that's all he raved about.
2: Was he seventy fifth or Ranger Tab? Which one was it? So great question. Yeah. There's a great discrepancy. There's a big a discrepancy. Big ass discrepancy. He, Go Google it if you're listening out there. Not yes. everyone's on the you know, no nah, seventy fifth regiment's a little different than just getting that leadership tab. Yeah. So he was in two seventy five,
0: sure. up in Washington. So he was a legit Ranger bat boy, so especially at eighteen. You know, this dude's good. Yeah, that's wild. good shit. That's good yeah. shit. So those dudes get wild. And then he, you know, obviously the right of passage is ranger school. So he was both tabbed and scrolled. For any of the listeners out there, if there's any military lingo, just Google it. It's, it's pretty open source. You can, for the most part, find anything. My drill sergeant was like, hey, sign this and get it back to me in like the next five minutes. And I said, like, hey, this isn't what I want. And first and foremost, you don't know, talk back to a drill sergeant, but he gave me this 22nd pitch and I signed it and the rest is history. So he was like, Hey, listen, you're going to get college credits for going through this course. You get better pay, shorter deployments, better deployments, and you get ranked up twice as fast. And I'm like, Learn language. Yeah, language, where do I sign? Which is like unheard of outside of a, a soft community, but you know, I was on the fast track to make E7 in seven years in the military, which for some dude, that's like 14 years, their whole career. It got to the point where I did some cool things and I had developed certain habits personally that I felt like was a little self-destructive and I wasn't really okay being that way and it was for me solely due to the attitude to have in order to be a certain type of person in that particular community now I don't speak for everyone this is just me personally but you know you're gone all the time there's one at one point some guys are home myself included I was home for four months out of the year so you can say goodbye to relationships, you can say goodbye to anything healthy, remotely, like workout regimen, having a house, you know, like all my stuff was in storage. And that was just my life. And, you know, the communication with my family was to see you once or twice a year um, after some crazy stuff that I can never tell you about. And, you know, th- that was just the life. It got to the point where it just wasn't fulfilling me. And doing what i wanted it to do so it was time for me just to cut ties what were some things that really you you saw weren't beneficial definitely with alcohol the booze will get you when you're alone right yeah alcohol and relationships you know bad relationships so i would come home from a deployment and knew i only had four to six months of being home so any person that would give me attention i'd say all right you know let's let's make this work even despite the red flags you know anything like that uh you know some people say red is their favorite color so who I speak for them. But yeah, you know, between that alcohol and never being home, you know, just like not having, really having anyone to talk to that would understand, you know, like you have guys in your team who, you know, can't really show any type of weakness, if that makes sense. It's like an alpha male type environment. And I don't know about today, but I know back then speaking like five years ago, three years ago, even now that if you show any type of mental health issues that you may be struggling with, It's off the team. You're unstable. Can't have a weapon. Oh, you're using alcohol. Oh, wow. Okay. Then, you know, you're on psych ward. Like all this negative stuff comes with admitting that you have an issue. That's why for me, I kept my mouth shut. Never said a thing. No one ever knew what I did beyond work. Always. Yes, sir. No, sir. Got it. And then went home and drank. And that was it. That was my life.
2: And look, not to go on a tirade here. This isn't about me, but that's one of the worst fucking cultures that, Professional sports, I think, has gotten in front of it a little bit before the military has. And I think finally, the military and soft specifically is really leaning in. And SOCOM specifically is re- leaning into, hey, like way too many dudes are killing themselves, dealing with this stress. They can't get out from under. They're either drinking themselves to the point where they can't turn around and fix it or they're suffering quietly, like you said. Yeah. So I don't know when that's going to change because you're right. You can't be going to the range at eight in the morning with the boys getting ready for a deployment and coming down off your high from last night drinking. right? Like That's totally unset. I get it. That said, there has to be some open communication in those team rooms. I do think we're finally getting out. When I was getting out anyway, I, I transitioned out in 17. So we were far enough away from the war that, The old grizzly, like, I don't give a fuck, you know, go to work, guys. We're kind of on the way out anyway. I'm hoping this next generation of operator, it's a little different, right? Like, we're not in Ramadi anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again, you know, quote, unquote, the war has drawn down from Afghanistan despite, you know, the debacle that was. And now this whole thing with Ukraine, not to make it political, but it's, yeah, This hopefully this next generation learns from our mistakes and people – that are still there say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what you should look out for. Hopefully. That's like the best scenario. Because you know, like I grew up with the saying, you know, you you are who you surround yourself with. So if you're if you surround yourself with, with like-minded individuals such as yourselves who are, you know, motivated, want to have happy relationships, you know, good life, hey, that's what you're gonna have. If you're gonna be around some dudes in the military who like to party and just live until you know, that's no longer an option, then, hey, that's where you're going to get. And you're going to develop those same habits. You're going to mimic it. As far as, like, the drive of why, like, I decided to go in, it's just something I've always wanted to do. And I was getting older, you know, quote, unquote, older from the military, being 22, 23, you know, the average guy that enlists is around 18, 19. So I, I had a few years of, you know, kind of partying.
2: And then I it spent... kind of helps, though, doesn't it? Like, I was older. I think I was 23 or 24 when I enlisted. And man, I was like, these dudes are stressing about some little shit, like, like even boot camp
0: stuff, you know? Well, I was stressing because I was, there was another national guard dude in there who was like early thirties, but I was the only competent one that could give direction and not get two shits about what they thought. So I was like the fake platoon leader telling these dudes like that. I, they hated me because I was just regurgitating what the drill sergeant wanted. And if they didn't do it, I get my ass chewed.
2: Right, and I'd be like, dude, like, why fuck me when I'm trying to help you? How was selection? How was Q course? without so that had any real knowledge of what the hell you were getting yourself into? Man, so I heard all the
0: rumors from, hey, they, you know, you go to Sierra School, they break your bones, you do all this crazy stuff, like, you know, I, I heard all these rumors. From oh, my
2: only static just, line like, breaks your bones.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I really just didn't know what to expect. I just knew that I had the mental ability to kind of just bury the pain and just drive on. And I knew what was waiting for me if I didn't pass. And that was not necessarily where I went, but it wasn't the goal of what I wanted for myself to achieve within the military. And so that's what scared me more than anything. That's what got me out of bed in the morning to get the most bang for my buck and whatever training we were doing. I was dead serious from when I woke up to go to sleep until I went to selection. And I even went so far, and maybe this is just because I was a little bit older and I was a little bit more thinking forward or insightful. But as soon as I got released from basic training, I went to go get books to read as much as I could about prepping for selection. Uh, there was a book called "Get Selected" that taught you, you know, tricks of the trade, just you know, like pro tips, if you will, how to land NAV with a map and compass, you know, a little bit more easy. How to prepare your feet for long wet walks in your boots that'll drop dudes left and right like flies if you don't prep your feet correctly unfortunately i'm still paying for it my feet are still jacked up but it got me through it as far as selection went it was three weeks at the time it was during the time frame of when paul walker passed away you know we had log pt all right you you had this giant giant telephone pole and we're you know black friday so four hours just straight getting smoked and just doing physical activity, just getting guys to quit until they meet their quota. And hey, that's all it is. You know, you, if you meet the standard, then you pass. Whether they like you or not, they can't really say no if you meet the standard. And that's the game that I knew I had to play by. And, you know, like peers have some type of effect on that. You can get along with dudes. And yeah, you know, I got along with dudes and even the dudes I didn't, I let them know. I was honest, but, you know, I was hoping that they could respect that honesty more than, the negative things that I really had to say. And I really didn't have anything negative to say unless they are just being mean, I guess, just to keep it PG. <laughs> for lack of a better term. Uh, yeah, for the lack answers. of a better term. Yeah. Dudes that have been in the military for however long and think they have more, which I, I gave them the utmost respect because I was coming in off the streets going straight to selection, and these dudes probably had to fight tooth and nail. But, you know, they treated us a certain way and, hey, cool, right a passage, got it, but you don't have to be a dick. And I've always till this day still have a mentality like if you and I don't get along, that's okay. We can still work together. If not, we can figure it out back and then become the best friends. Yeah, so moving on, got selected. It was great. Was told throughout the entire key course of two years that I would never get it, not good enough. Things like that, that just gave me fuel and just drove me to push harder and prove these guys that literally mean nothing in my life. Wrong, you know the kind of like oh I'll show them and I'm sure they're they're like man you know I was definitely wrong not but uh no it was great and then you know get to group you're treated like an absolute rock star and you know you get told all these like cool things and you you are afforded the opportunity to do a lot of really cool things and have like the newest gear and like all this other stuff and you know some of the things are true that you are treated a certain way hands in your pockets big one haircuts kind of cool but at the end of the day it's we're still at the mercy of the army you know like we have limited resources even though the funding might be a little bit better it's kind of like do more with less type mentality and uh that's kind of just like what the whole kind of culture was it was like hey if you're not first you're last you know it's like the Ricky bobby type mentality and my
2: boy was fifth group and he he talked shit on all the other groups let me tell you right now so (laughs) yeah about first your last type thing i'm like god damn you, you green berets are weird yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. We they're like a fraternity. Like yeah. we, you know, I was in seventh group. So we right. get, we got mainly deployed to South America, which, hey, all day long. Right. Right. That was my first appointment was to uh, Panama and Central America. And, you know, talking about the perfect time learning new language. But, yeah, you know, it went from like working the door at some club to briefing the general of uh, all of the police in this region of Panama on like what the training is going to be like for his men to make them more tactfully equipped to handle, you know, situations that they'll be involved with other uh, drug traffickers or anything within that realm of stuff, you know, like it went from that to training Colombian SF dudes to go against the FARC, Colombian drug lords. And then, you know, you go to Afghanistan a few times and it's like, all right, you know, you have these these guys in Afghanistan, completely different ballgame, way more higher threat. And, but at the same time, you know, it, I went in at a very different time than 2001. There was a lot of things that kept our hands tied, such as, you know, leaving the wire and a lot of things that we couldn't do unless we had, you know, a 200 page PowerPoint that was like an officer's wet dream. Some officers were cool, others not, but that's kind of like where I got a lot of my good habits out of in the sense of, PCC, PCIs, you know, just double checking everything the night prior. And I still carry that over to today. I'm a little bit more relaxed today, thankfully, because that stuff just stresses me out and I just need less stress in my life. But um, a lot of good things come of it from being in the military. You know, I think Jocko or someone else said it best like, hey, you know, first thing in the morning, make your bed. You're already on the right track.
2: You McCraven, know, I- Admiral McRaven, great speech. There you go. Yeah. You're already accomplishing something. It's the first task of the day. These motherfuckers exactly. don't make like their bed. I'll tell you that much.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So making your bed, you know, I eat breakfast, say, you know, hang out with my wife and kid. First thing I do after that is workout. you know, get it in. You know, come out on top, already accomplished, and then the rest of the day, whatever happens is just the cherry on top. Anything bad after that, I've already released any type of negativity that I may have felt or tension built up in the in the gym. So and that's really where I met my wife was I had made the decision to get out and devote more time into training, specifically CrossFit. There was a guy in group with me who really got me into it. We became good friends and we just wanted to train all the time. That's all that's all we wanted to do. And my wife at the time was a coach. And we met a couple of times. Nothing really happened off the bat, but you know, we just became good friends. And then we started dating. And then, you know, we got married. And then, you know, all this kind of like happened really fast within a span of two years. We dated, got married, bought a house, got a dog, had a kid, and then bought a gym so i was 30 when i met her and she was 29 you know we were a little bit older and we knew what we wanted and you know i the first time we hung out i was like do you want kids do you want this boom 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 like a checklist like girls do with guys right and she hit the check marks and i was like okay let's kind of see where this goes and it just organically developed into something great and you know just hit it off and she loved to train as much as I did until she got pregnant. And then it was like, hey, if I'm not training, you're not training. And I said, all right, bring on the brownies. So yeah, that was a good adaptation of figuring out things for her to train with and, and, and stuff like that. But we were presented with a very unique opportunity to, to take over a gym from a previous owner, and we were very unsure about it. We turned it down one time, a couple months went by, and then he came back to us. And we were like, hey... You know, we've always said that if we had an opportunity to get a gym, we would show people we knew what we were capable of. I said, yeah, you're right. And we, you know, we just put our money where our mouth was, you know, took out a loan. I said, all right, this is it. You know, there's no going back. And we took everything that we had learned from previous mistakes of other people and learned from that and put it forth so we can start on a good foot, right? And with that, we developed a passion for not only using it as an outlet for ourselves, but to express to other people how this can help them more than physically, if that makes sense. Like, yes, you have goals. You want to gain muscle. At the end of the day, everyone just wants to look better naked, right? But what goes beyond that? What happens when you have an injury that prevents you from working out. What happens when you can't work out for a whole month or you're on a deployment, you know, how does that affect your mental state? And that's what we're trying to educate them on, or at least me with some people who want to dive into it is how does that help your mental state when you're able to exert yourself with physical activity, you know, and it can be, it doesn't even have to be in the gym. You can go for a walk. You can go for, you know, there's countless podcasts that talk about like, if you can't do anything else but walk, go for a 30 minute walk a day and see how you feel. Have some self-reflection on what is inside your scope of control and what is outside of it. Okay, you slept in today. You decided to go to McDonald's. You decided to allow people who have no say on your life whatsoever to affect your overall feelings. All of that stuff is within your control. What is outside of your control, in my opinion, if it's not going to bother you, in five years, don't give it five minutes, right? So that's something that really stuck with me that Matt Fraser said. It's great, but it takes a lot of practice to hone that skill. You know, when someone says something smart to you at the bar or cuts you off in traffic, you know, I'm a very passionate driver that I've learned from my dad. And it's not a very good trait because it makes me an aggressive driver. But again, you know, like I get home and it's like, okay, Hey, you know, did that guy think like, oh man, you know, he's going to go home and feel sorry for himself. Like, no, he doesn't care. So why should I, you know, why allow people who you haven't given permission to affect your feelings, your mental state? Why would you give them the permission to do that to you? And that's kind of like where I try to navigate my life with anything I do. Because I want to get back to the mental health piece and the military. And this question is mostly for you and Nick. Uh, Our listeners
1: know I never served. Nick served. You served. So this will be more for you guys. But it's interesting when you look at the generational stuff. A lot of my knowledge comes from books. I think of the book Unbroken, one of my favorite of all time. And a lot of the, the problems that you're describing with alcohol is, is what he you know, describes in the, end of the book. He gets way deep in alcohol. And again, I think he, he went the religious kind of born again route, and was saved and, and quit alcohol. But there's a lot of World War II events. And I'm sure there's World War I, Civil War. You go back throughout history that deal with PTSD, substance abuse, alcoholism and and suicide if we're talking about the big picture mental health stuff. And then once the Vietnam vets came back and started having those PTSD issues, you know, those types of issues, it seems like the generation previous always kind of looks down on that generation for not being as hard as they were. But like maybe there's not enough of those World War II vets left because the ones that really had the problems probably, you know, are you know living homeless, complete alcoholics or, or actually killed themselves. So I'm just wondering with the next generation, like what does mental health care look like in the military? Like I, I just can't imagine being in that environment and be like, you know, my depression is like a 10 out of 10 today. I'm not joining this group for X, Y, or Z. Like, what does it look like to take care of somebody's mental health? And that
0: stressful and high stakes of a game as you guys have been involved with. That is a great question, but it's also there may be some guys that disagree with me and some that do agree, but it's a very dangerous thing to bring up because as previously stated, once you bring up that you have mental health conditions or admitting to people that you have issues, if they don't have your back, it is a career ender. You have the potential to be you know, kicked off a team for however dictated long by an officer who doesn't know you. There have been some guys who have been kicked out of the military completely. Because they said that they have substance abuse. They have depression, PTSD, stuff like that. Like all of that stuff is.
4: If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash proven grit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. You know,
0: very taboo. And that's why no one talks about it. And that's why it's a serpent eating itself, right? It's a self debilitating thing. And to get around that, we need to like make it not so taboo so that we get these guys' help. Even if it's like, a two out of 10, as soon as some type of sign or some type of feeling less than how they're supposed to feel, like great, they need to seek help because you know you can't allow this thing to fester because that's when it becomes that veteran suicide. Men in general or anyone with trauma or PTSD, the hardest thing to do is ask for help at the end of the day. It absolutely is. Like I can do the hardest thing in the world, physically, mentally, like I could, you know, go on a mission, do what I had to do come back and then be like, be okay. But when I came home, flipping that switch was the problem when you're not in that environment, if that makes sense. So you have to have that certain mentality, be that type of person that you see in movies, you know, not giving a crap of how you do it or what you do, as long as it brings you home. But when you come home and you're with your wife, you're with your kid and you don't know how to turn that switch off and, and with each passing deployment, it becomes incredibly more difficult to flip that mental switch. It's almost as if the, the light switch is filed down so it becomes harder to grab it and flip it with each deployment if that makes sense. So by the time you know some guys, especially in Ranger Battalion, some guys have had you know 12, 13 deployments. you know there's nothing left to switch it's left on on all the time. And that's when you're stuck between this sympathetic and parasympathetic state, you know, the fight or flight, you can't turn it off. The way that I had a psychologist explain it to me when I knew I was getting out. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to get help while I still have the healthcare coverage. And man, that's when, you know, these dudes at your boys, they're like, Hey, get away. And that was my first insight of like, okay, so this is how it is. You know, you're, you family until you're not. That's one
1: of the things that drives me fucking nuts. And it's not, not just that, but it's with the employers too. And this goes in any field, but I'm sure military too. It's like, everyone wants to say they care about mental health until they actually have to fucking do something about it. Right. <laughs> and, then, and, and then they don't want to make the concessions. They don't want to give you the time off. They don't want to give you the healthcare. And it's like, everyone fucking claim. Everyone wants to be a hero and say, Oh, I care about mental health. And then what do they do? They shove you in the corner and they tell you, you can't take any time off i guess unless you're ben simmons for the nets but other than that they tell you to fuck yourself
2: (laughs) well look and and to your point preston before you you keep going there i think one of the best illustrations of what you're talking about i don't know if you guys have watched the hurt locker recently but you know he's so ramped up he's he's running on red constantly right diffusing these bombs He's got this kid at home that he kind of loves, but he's not sure he loves. And of course the the viewers like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's shitty dad. And then like one of the last scenes in the movie is he gets home with the girl and he sees the kid and he's walking through the cereal aisle and it's his point of view. And it's kind of supposed to be like him being overwhelmed with all these very simplistic options. And like, why is this guy stressing about something so simple when he's diffusing bombs? But You chase that adrenaline and the guys in the war, especially, I mean, this was not me. I say it every time we talk about, especially the the real combat fighters during, I don't know, call it 05 to, I don't know, maybe 2011, 2012. Those fuckers in the soft groups were operating on night raids nightly for 6 to 12 to 18 months. And what that means, they were going in fucking killing people and losing their friends And dragging their friends out and having enough time to send a message to their wife or kids and say, love you, I'm safe. Bobby didn't make it. And then go back out the next night. There was no fucking pregnant pause. And those guys, they were somehow able to callous their brains to do that. And now they're suffering outside because there's no adrenaline. There's nothing that you can do to ramp up and match that. And that's when survivor guilt sits in. That's when PTSD sits in. And you finally get a second to realize, well, my fucking back's broken. I'm 35. I've lost six friends. The other eight are still alive, but they're batshit. Six divorces later. You know, like, it really just turns into a fucking shit show. It's very rarely one instance. But that's where the military has to do a better job. And I think it's where SOCOM you know, lead from the front tip of the spear. They're really leaning into trying to get people help. There's things like NICO. There's things like, I don't know what you did on your way out to basically like analyze your brain and do the psychology work necessary to say, yeah. oh, buddy, you're leaving. Okay, well, we're going to get you at least on this VA disability rating because we want to check in on you. We want you to have the health care. Yeah. 10, 15 years ago, that shit didn't exist. Yeah. So they have this
0: program called Invisible Wounds. And essentially what this is, it's a... One-stop shop, like you can do anything and everything through this uh, designated building, and they have psychologists, doctors, speech therapists. uh, Because, like, on my last appointment, I came back with a very, very mild stutter, and I had very such a very hard time. Even now, you can tell I had very such a hard time finding words, and it still plays me today. And for the life of me, I can't think of what it was, other than maybe thirty or forty. Bombs, IDs, things that, you know, we all experience, you know, RPGs, Carl Gustav rounds. Like if something happens and your, your protection is like down in the bunker, like, hey, man, sorry. It just is what it is. And, you know, there, there are some times like that. And just a caveat, like exactly on what you said, chasing that adrenaline, like a lot of the veteran suicide comes when they come back and fight that invisible war. But more so, I think it happens when dudes finally just calm down, like the ready state of always training, always being on for schools, always deploying, always being in a stressed out environment. When it changes and you start to come down, you freak out because you're, you're suffering from withdrawals essentially. So it's in a form, it's a form of substance abuse because you're so used to functioning in society at such a high ready state that when you start to come down, your body starts to freak out because it's not used to that like everybody else. Like, I remember coming back from a deployment and there's like dramatic scenes in TV shows and movies of like dudes just freaking out because whatever reason, someone cut them off in traffic or like, you know, you'd look on social media, which is like the absolute worst thing. And I'm addicted to it. And it says, oh, worst day ever got stuck in the Starbucks line for 20 minutes. It's like, oh yeah, that's your worst day ever. Have you been looking at my post, Preston? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a shitty day this morning. God damn it. So it's, you know, it's just stuff like that, that we can, you know, we joke about back and forth on like, you know, with my buddy Ranger bat, like we, man, I I would send him messages on like, like some of the shit that I would see that were just like, just really irritate me. And and we would just laugh about it. And that's, and that's all you can really do. Right. And that's, that goes circles back to what I was saying. Like, everyone has their own experiences and like, and I can't allow that to, or to the best of my ability, try not to allow it to affect my current state, especially now. That I am setting the example for my son and having a very honest and healthy relationship with my wife, and trying to maintain that honesty. There, there, there are certain things that I reluctantly hold back because it's a very, very darker side that I don't think she can yet not understand. But to, I can't really find the word for it. Um, but you know, there are certain things that you do and there's a certain mentality that you have in the way that you think that it's unless you're around military guys, you kind of just keep your mouth shut. It makes everyone uncomfortable. If that makes sense. Like if you've ever spoken to a military guy, whether it be Nick or Rob, and they joke about like killing people or like suicide or like just, you know, whatever the case may be, some type of like darker humor, And it's meant to be just that, but it's their type of humor. And that's the type of humor that they have in the military. They have been around it. They have, at least from my understanding, that I've been around it long enough to where when someone jokes about that stuff, it's funny. And that's not the right answer. But to everybody else, it's like, this dude has serious issues. And that's why I just bite my tongue on a lot of things. Because I I really just fear the way other people would perceive me. Yeah, the judgment for someone without the
2: contacts, right? Right, exactly. Some of those team rooms are dark, bro, but they're also really fun. Before (laughs) we let you out of here, tell us about the gym because it it looks sick. I know you (laughs) talked about kind of how you opened it, but like, are you having fun with it?
0: Man, I'll tell you what, this is probably one of the, at least in this chapter of my life, this is probably one of the best things that really brings me true fulfillment. So the gym itself is Miramar Beach Strength Conditioning. And I really got the idea and heard about you guys from Nate Todd on CrossFit Tridium. So a lot of the things that he said really resonated with me when we were in the process of purchasing this gym. So I've, I've actually been in contact with him and you know you guys through social media here and there. The gym it really fulfills me in the sense of like we are giving people the ability to. And it sounds like you know CrossFit ad and I apologize, but we're giving people the ability to overcome stuff that they've been dealing with for years. So like myself included, degenerative disc, my 405, torn hip labrum, you know, in my right hip, torn labrums in both my shoulders, partial bicep tear, like you name it, knees, ankles from jumping, whatever the case may be, I, you know, mental whatever. I was able to self-rehab my body to the point where I am in the best shape of my personal life than I was in 22. 21 when I went through selection it's really truly just an amazing thing to do to afford people the opportunity to show them what it can do through experience and to just kind of like give back especially with like other veterans like when when other veterans come and join the gym or drop in or come check it out like it's grants me the opportunity to be like hey I understand where you're coming from and I want to help you I'm not going to judge you because I probably have the same issues that you do Maybe less, maybe worse. I don't know, but I am here to help you judgment free and get a good workout. All right. And even beyond that. And this counts for all my members too. I always reach out to them if they have relationship issues or, you know, this may be getting too involved, but like I am there as a coach. I'm there as an owner, but I'm also there as a friend. You know, I can't tell you how many times that I've looked through my phone years past and have had one person to call, like for help or to get like, hey, man, I screwed up, what should I do type thing without fear of judgment. And that's the environment that my, my wife and I wanted to create was an environment where it was fun, easygoing. If you ask me a question, I'm going to give the answer that you need, not what you want. And that's not for everybody. And that's okay. You know, we're not for everybody. And not everybody's for us. With that being said, if we encounter someone who's not for us, I want to help them find some place that is for them. And that is just my personal take on it. I don't want to leave you high and dry like I've been left with previous matters in the military. We're coming up on our one-year mark, and we've doubled the memberships. We've done everything we can to make it a profitable business. Now, for this next year, that goal is still the same, but we're also going to be branching off, or at least this is the intent, to be branching off and to become more involved with other veteran uh, companies, right? So Green Beret Foundation, you have Black Rifle Coffee, who's up the street from us. You have some motivational speakers that are down here. We have an adaptive athlete who got injured in Afghanistan, who's a vet in a wheelchair that joined our gym. So who wants to become a motivational speaker? I mean, this, you know, you see this guy work out, what excuse do you have? It's just stuff like that, that just like gets me riled up and gets me refocused on just on life in general of like, this guy's in a wheelchair and he's still the happiest guy you could ever meet. And he was a normal guy going into it. And, you know, he's still normal, you know, just a little, you know, different. Now he gets, you know, miles to the gallon. So (laughs) Again, you know, dark humor, but he gets that. We crack jokes left and right. And that's just something that the gym has really done for us. And it's going really well. It sometimes having the business itself does stress us out because it takes away from our personal time. And, you know, sometimes just, you know, life happens and we got to devote a little bit more time into it to put in that foundation and that groundwork before it can become a well-oiled machine. And I knew that going in and this first year was definitely challenging in its own ways. And a lot of of sweat equity has gone into it, but this next year is gonna be different in the sense of we've developed all of our SOPs, we've developed all of our things with the members where they understand where we're coming from and how we like to do things in the environment that we're trying to create, where if anything is said or done that is less than appropriate or friendly or welcoming, then, you know, the drill Starting in me comes out and it handles it and nips it right in the butt um, professionally. And that is one of the biggest things that I have to thank the military for is to how to word things and verbalize things to where people get the point, but in a very professional state. And, you know, like for lack of a better term, like, again, you know, everyone in there is my friend and, you know, I'm going to let them know if they're your friend, you know, you're going to let them know that they're screwing up. So, That's just how it is at the end of the day. And if they want to get butt hurt over it, I'm not going to apologize for telling the truth and uh, being honest. The gym is going to be around for a while, I feel like. And the more people that we're able to help and the more outreach we have, whether it be getting involved with Hunter 7 Foundation or riding this mental state of helping veterans with being okay, just like talking to somebody on the phone or, hey, let me connect you with someone who can help you off the record, right? Because some guys are just so worried about their career. Myself included, I sought help out of the military. I paid out of pocket because I was so worried about what would go on my military record and what would affect my ability to gain employment after the military because of having health issues. Anything that I could do outside of that was catch 22 in the sense of I had to pay for it out of pocket, but at the same time, If it wasn't on my record, you can't get disability for it, right? (laughs) So it's like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Once I made that decision that I was getting out, the gloves came off. I said, hey, I need help. I made all of my own appointments, and the rest is history. I routinely reach out to guys that are still in, and I always tell them, like, hey, if you ever have the idea or you reach that moment in life or you want to get out, please reach out, and I will help guide you through this VA process. Because it is very encumbersome and it sounds like a lot. You know, the example of looking at cereals, you become overwhelmed with all these plethora of things that you have to do. But it's very, very simplistic when you're with someone to hold your hand and take you through it. As far as like the mental PTSD and what the gym does for myself and what I feel like it does for others is it just gives me a positive outlet. And I notice how I'm beginning to uh, know that if I am not afforded the opportunity to do some type of physical exertion, I become a little bit more short-tempered, right? So it's like you being hangry, right? To put it in simplistic terms. Even on days that I'm completely drained, you know, if I can go for a swim or if I can do something with my son or with my wife that... Can exert myself just a little bit, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever the case may be, I feel so much better. That endorphin rush is something that I'm looking for. I I don't know what the case may be. I personally have not sought help since I've gotten out from active duty. And this is about a year and a half ago, two years. And it is it's something on the docket. It's just something just keeps coming up, you know, and, and that's that's a very easy excuse to have. And I just need to make the appointment and go. But again, that's how easy things can be pushed to the side. And I have freedom now. I don't have to be at PT at 06. I don't have to be in formation or in the team room at 09. Like I can, you know, sleep all day if I wanted to, but that's not the right answer. You know, that's not the right answer for me. And uh, that's not the right answer for everybody else who I'm trying to help. It's definitely a plague affecting the veteran community and the way that this next generation could potentially divert that is if you know they're they're just more open about how their mental state is and it's kind of different though with each passing generation it's just different like yes they are looked down upon because like oh you know last hard class or like we did this this and this like you guys can't you know do this like okay well i'll rebuttal that with are you still married like are you in a happy relationship how much alcohol do you drink like these dudes are hard and i give them that they have done things twice as hard with less equipment you know, have done crazy things, but at the same time, what does your quality of life look like? Are you that guy that sits on his lawn yelling at dudes to get off the grass? Or are you that guy who's happy, still has a good quality of life, can bend down, pick up his kid, play catch? Like that, that's my personal rebuttal. And the way that this next generation can potentially help begin to divert that is just to be more open and to just become more self-educated on helping dudes out. By helping other people out, you help yourself out because you're educating yourself on what the signs are of just negative, right? So substance abuse, it could be negative thoughts. It could be overreacting to simplistic things. It could be, you know, dirty dishes or, you know, something so simple. It just sets me off sometimes. And it's like, okay, you know, I need to take a step back. It's not that big of a deal. Take a deep breath and...
2: We're good to go. Yeah, I mean, I think the the first step with all this stuff, from everything I've read, is being aware of it, acknowledging it, and then vocalizing it. Everything, if you vocalize it, I think it makes it a little easier to your loved ones, to your friends, family, you know, all of that. I think a lot of people just don't, unfortunately. But hopefully, conversations like this show that there's a reason to. I was just reading a stat, you know, there was a 21% decrease in Army suicides you know, from September to September from 21 to 22. So again, by no means is it fixed. I do think there's a great correlation between the struggles when when people see combat and the support they get when they get home. But I'm hoping that these leaders are finally listening. And, you know, those, those team rooms are never gonna be soft. They're not meant to be, but they can be accepting and they can be vulnerable and dudes in yep. general should be more vulnerable. We we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Um let's end this on a positive note though. It's going to be three quick hitters. We got to we got to get them out of you. I need straight shots. What is your favorite non-alcoholic <laughs> seltzer?
0: Non-alcoholic seltzer. Uh Zevia. What what kind? Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. actually it's ginger ale. So, ah oh, ginger ale's good. Yeah. Ginger ale's
1: nice. Ginger ale's nice. Ah,
0: yeah, that's a really good yes. one
1: if you're going for a one-rep max. What song are you throw
0: it on? What's the hype song? Oh, man. I want it that way. Back to your boys. No. God I do. No.
3: <laughs> They're on tour. No. <laughs> Talking about being vulnerable, right? Yeah, there you go. Last one is we need a, a strength standard out of you. So this could be a strength standard at your gym. We've gotten like the, uh, the 100-pound goblet squat for 50 reps or just somebody comes in your gym and does this lift at this weight and that's like... Something that just impresses you, so give us give us a strength standard.
0: Oh man, I I don't know if I have an exact number for you. It's for me. It's always been quality movement over weight. (laughs) We need numbers. We need numbers. Uh, numbers. (laughs) There's there's a guy.
2: There's a guy next to you. Press, and he walks in your gym. He's he's just off the street. Gives you 20 bucks. He goes and does X, and you go, "Fuck, that guy's strong. I don't need to see anything else." If
0: anyone can snatch 275 or more, I'll be impressed. It's a big
1: ass number. Big number, Nick. Nick, that was your. Uh, you got 280, right? It was at yeah. yeah, 275. Two, 280. Yeah. So. 280. You're officially strong. Okay. Cool. You, I'll Preston. send you some videos.
0: Preston, uh, how do people find you? Man, you can uh, find me on Instagram, just Preston Breeze, or find me on the gym page, Miramar B Strength, on Instagram and Facebook.
2: Awesome, man. We appreciate the time. We appreciate the vulnerability and the the conversation. It's super important
0: Dude, man. Thanks for having me. This is uh, amazing. Hopefully we can meet later on down the road and uh, bring this back up, see how things have improved. 100%. Absolutely. Cool.
2: Thanks, man. Hope you guys enjoyed that. As Dan said on the front end here, I mean, not the typical jovial laughing bullshit that we do on this podcast, but... I just think it's so important, especially this week, being Veterans Day, and knowing how challenging it is. I mean, you can hear it in Preston's voice. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to articulate. It's hard to transition. And I think it takes some real balls to come on a podcast and be that vulnerable. So I appreciate that out of him. We we all do here. And hopefully, you got something from it, even if it's just calling a buddy and saying, "Hey, what's up, man? How you been?" Don't call me though. I want to answer. I only text message. Um. <laughs> And from- <laughs>
1: Nick, I'm, I'm really, really down. I really need somebody to talk with. Yeah. Like, like button and like a uh, uh, Raffy emoji or something like that. I don't yeah.
2: know. <laughs> I'll send you a fucking killer GIF. You see no, the, 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 hormone, the hormone monster, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. All right, boys. So let me do a, a little rant here. Went to Red Rocks. So got to fill you boys in. The mountain man is returned. Fucking magic, boys. I mean, I can't stress that nothing in life ever lives up to the hype that fucking lived up to the hype. It was fucking snowing. The show was supposed to be canceled. The music was great. The ambiance was great. The acoustics are great. But there's just something about that place being out there in the middle of fucking nothing. Obviously, the snow really helped. But I just cannot stress it enough. You got to go. If you have a show that. You say, do I really need to fly? We did it right, too. We had a little uh, a shuttle service, so there was no Uber or any of that bullshit. This guy picked us up at the house at 430, would stop off at any liquor store or weed distillery or grocery store you want. He has cooler chairs, speaker, drove us, got us primetime parking. We sat there. He was waiting for us to take us home when we left. I guess there's a ton of shuttles like that. So if you're ever exploring Red Rocks, that's the way to do it. It's not any more expensive than Uber. That's the funniest part. It's like 300 bucks. But you do that with six people, it's 50 bucks a head. Like, what is that? Try to get an Uber up into Red Rocks during a show. I'm assuming a shit show from everything I read. But just in general, the trip to Denver was magnificent. I touched on the altitude training a little bit earlier. Mal and I got there and, and beelined right up to Rocky Mountains. Just to walk around a couple lakes up there, I will say, first time being at like ten thousand feet, my fucking my head was spinning. I had no preparation for that because you know, you leave Denver, you're at about fifty two hundred, right? Mile high, whatever. Get up there to the and, and walk this small mountain. I would call it a pretty easy walk to be honest with you but fucking my head was shook there until i started to think hey buddy you got to start focusing on your breathing so all in all i just wanted to kind of rant and rave about how fucking amazing that was what about you guys
1: well the good thing is you and alex were together and, and alex still found a way to send me every single video and meme on the internet Within all those days you were there, so that was nice. Yeah, well, he's um, never going to not do that. <laughs> no, nothing new to report. Um, I was going to go over a, s- a stream for me, Big Mouth Season 6. It's just Big Mouth. It's great. I fucking lo- love Jay Lazarian. It's my favorite, one of my favorite characters. Uh, did a sirloin tip roast. Kind of shitty, but it provided a lot of meat. So I wouldn't recommend that. I would definitely get a better <laughs> roast. It's definitely not a tri-tip. Um, I just saw tip and I saw that it was red and I got excited. I bought it and didn't do my research. Not a great roast, but it was serviceable. Great for meal prep and hat. like, it's 15 pounds, you know, so 15 yeah, that's pounds. a lot of meat. meat. I was like a week and a half of food for me. So it's pretty sick. Yeah.
2: about you, Rob? What have you been doing? I haven't heard much from you recently. Nothing. There's been, it's been illness in this
3: house for like two, three hey, weeks. Are you okay? Yeah, no, you look, No. You look. no I'm <laughs> I feel I'm like, okay. All day. And then I get a dry cough at like one in the morning and I can't sleep. And nothing you don't even look like yourself. I feel dude, I woke up at one o'clock last night and I couldn't get back to sleep, just fucking coughing.
2: Oh yeah. we gotta got end this podcast dude. quick.
3: Are we do college, college campuses are infested with illness. My kids in preschool now. It's just infection rate is worse than COVID right now, but luckily nobody cares anymore. So it's just the like, <laughs> <I'm, I'm laughs> it germs again.
1: It's not hot in the streets anymore, but we got to talk about because I loved NFL Blitz growing up and I sent you the Costco now has like the NFL Blitz arcade game and I saw it at Sam's tonight, but Sam's was like 800 bucks, 500 uh, you know, like, it'd be pretty nice to have Blitz in my house. I can't wait for Nick to buy it just to one off us all because... $500,
2: gonna, $500 for the fucking... to sit there? Like, you plug it in and you get unlimited plays?
1: Unlimited plays. Yeah, like, you get the Blitz arcade game at your fucking house and you're like, well, oh, Dad, like, Bill, come on over. Like, we're gassing a beer. You could be the Raiders. I'm gonna be fucking you know... 500 is good. That's a... it's a little smaller because I actually saw it in real life tonight at Sam's. It's a little smaller than, like, an actual arcade, which I don't mind because like you can always stand it on something, yeah.
3: You know? Is Nick the kind of video game guy that gets angry and throws shit and puts holes in walls? Do you think he, he would no. make his Blitz arcade? No, no, no,
2: no, no. not a, no, 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 not no, a huge think... video game guy, not a huge video game. Although the primetime video game playing was done at the Gorin's household before school, yes. it, only it was always... always Goldeneye, it was always Mario Kart, it was Don't always. Blitz. Oh, and Blitz. Blitz, of course, we that, was, Blitz, that was yeah. a little bit older. But any of those
1: sixty-four games,
2: we and
1: uh, we, we did have some fights. Meanwhile, well, me and David—I mean, me obviously, and David
2: but, used to beat the shit out of each other. That's, yeah, a, little, is, that's uh, a different story.
1: Yeah, we had some pretty epic fights over Blitz. Actually, my buddy Gilliam's had Blitz, and like we were living in DC, and there was there were several incidents. Like, let me put it to you this way: we uh, we almost came to blows over that game. So it'd be great to just rekindle and just start fighting each other again as grown adults. <laughs>
2: Uh, Any hitters, boys, on the way out? Oh, by the way, I watched Top Gun on a Flight. First one. Dude, that is the most fucking classic, cliche 80s movie I've ever watched in my entire life. First time watching it? First time watching it. Could not be made today. Like with the take my breath away music coming in just randomly every couple times, like you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> dun, 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 dun,
0: dun.
1: What was your thoughts? Cause I, i was like on the camp of like, it's slightly, it's like, okay, but it's not like the end all the, <laughs> okay, it's, I, okay. I, it's fine.
2: filmers a stud. Like yeah, stud. Pilmer, yeah. it's yeah, enjoyable, then, like, but it's not in a in good the new one. I got like, I don't know, probably 30 minutes left. I watched it on the way back. Pretty entertaining. You know, to me, I, probably missed being obsessed with Top Gun, but wildly entertaining things to watch on a flight, right? Like, pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's impossible to say that it's a bad movie. It's just like... No. It doesn't resonate with me like a lot of other movies for whatever reason. It's
2: not made... I mean, the first one, you cannot compare it to today. It's like comparing our grandparents, like, their world... Like Movies in 1980s are just so fucking different, especially corny love movies that are trying to be a little bit on edge. so funny, but you know, Cruz is the man still making mission impossible. It's good for him. Kidding what can up, you do? You got any good music to listen to Dan? I know Rob doesn't. Rob hasn't listened to any music in a while. I can tell he's so fucking annoyed right now.
1: I'm not going to put it on the list because that's a terrible outro, but mm-hmm. on BS with Drake and 21 Savage off the new album, a yeah. uh, really good track. But the, again, it has like that terrible, like 30 seconds of some French guy ranting and raving. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm never going to listen to that on Can't like a playlist.
2: Can't do it. it. Hey, so on the way out here, since the we'll drop this probably in the next couple days, give the people who they should bet on in the World Cup so they can make some money. Who's the sleeper team that's going to win this year? Is it (laughs) Uruguay? Who's going to win? To be
1: perfectly honest, I've not placed any bets. I've not been keeping up with my international soccer at nearly the rate I should. B and usually are, you can always bet England's going to choke. So definitely don't bet England unless you just want to go against like the last 50 years of the history of the world. The U.S. sure shit ain't going to win. I think Argentina, you know, probably a little bit on the downslope in terms of Messi's age. I don't know. Let me look at the odds and I'll get back to you before the World Cup starts for our official World Cup 2022 preview, which I know you're all here for.
2: Yeah, Brazil's plus 400 leading in the clubhouse right now. Germany at 1,000. It's better on Germany or
1: Brazil. I mean, one of those two's got a really good fucking shot to be in the top, you know, in the semis. Right.
2: Uruguay plus five thousand. It's just a name I keep hearing. That's all I'm saying. People in the streets, my Uruguayans. All right, boys. Talk to you again next week. Shout out to Uruguay. Later. Right. Peace.